Teammates, welcome to the Journeys Through Leadership podcast. Leadership is a journey. It has no end, but it starts somewhere. And we will explore the events that shape our members during their journey through leadership. Hello again, teammates, and welcome to Episode 9 of the JTL podcast. I'm your host, Chief Master Sergeant Denny Richardson, New York State Command Chief. I'm mobile this episode, uh, visiting the 107th Attack Wing in Niagara Falls, New York. And I'm happy to have with us today a member from the 107th Attack Wing. Please join me in welcoming Master Sergeant Tony Ray. Welcome, Sergeant Ray, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Chief. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you coming all the way out to see us. Oh, man. Yeah, you uh, <laughs> you definitely brought the sunshine for me. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say sunshine, but we <laughs> definitely gave you a true Buffalo area weather welcome with cold and rain. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> Greatly appreciate it. So, uh, so you all set? You ready to kick this off? Yes, sir. All right, let's have some fun. Okay. All right, so let's get right into it. So uh, let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, so remove the rank. Uh, who is Tony Ray? Well, first off, I'd, I'd, I'd call myself a family man. I've been married to my wife, Nicole, for 15 years now. Uh, together we have a 13-year-old daughter who is uh, pretty awesome, amazing, has uh, turned me into uh, a completely different person than I ever saw myself being. Um, some of the hobbies, the things that I like to do, um, concerts, live music, I like hanging out with friends, bonfires, enjoy the weather when it's nice, um, vacations with friends, and of course, I'm an avid Bills fan. Oh. Uh-oh. Yes, uh-oh is right. Oh, man. Bills fan. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. I'm an avid Baltimore Ravens fan. Oh. <laughs> oh. This, man. This interview just got... Very, very competitive. Huh. <laughs> I won't say Cincinnati. Oh, I said Cincinnati. Oh, you did say Cincinnati. <laughs> After a tough loss like that. Well, we've all suffered tough losses, especially at the hands of the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So, so you say you have a 13-year-old? Yes, sir. Okay, yes. That's fun. It is uh, trying at times, but it is, um, it is fun. It really is. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's fun to see them grow from this little baby that, that needs you into this independent person that needs to give you back doc. <laughs> uh, outstanding. Um, so um, I raised uh, two young men who were 13 before, and, and I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's going to get better. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get worse before it gets better, I'm yeah, sure. So buckle up. Yeah, yeah, sleepless nights are ahead. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, greatly... Um, it's something great about raising kids, though. And yes. Watching them, you know, grow and mm-hmm. from, you know, that adolescent age um, into young adults. So yeah. I'm sure you will uh, do your very best. Um, you know, but I can tell you right now, it goes fast. So enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I can't believe it's already been 13 years. I look back and where the time go. When you're in the present, you're like, when is this ever going to end? And you don't want it to end. Is when you start looking back at how fast everything goes. Yeah. So you said live music. Yes. Yeah. I like going to concerts. It doesn't matter who it is. I mean, I like going to country concerts. Those are always a good time. Rock concerts with some of my, my guy friends, um, maybe less bring the wives kind of thing, get a little more rowdy. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just a good atmosphere. You show up a little bit beforehand, you cook out, uh, tailgate a little bit and then enjoy the show and have a nice, easy night. Nice. So if you had one artist to pick to choose to see live, who would it be? Oh, gosh. I've seen them a dozen times, but I'd like Dave Matthews' band to come back again. Oh, okay. Those were some nice concerts, and those were always fun. A little nostalgic for me just because, you know, it was uh, when I was younger. So uh, my wife and I like to go to those concerts. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. All right. 
Hey, man, well, thank you for uh, taking off the rink and uh, letting the audience know a little bit more about Tony Ray. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Chief. Thank you. All right, so let's uh, shift gears here a little bit. So let's, let's talk about your career path and uh, what made you decide to join the Air National Guard. Um, as far as a deciding factor, I'm not really sure. I mean, it probably is a, a, a bunch of a lot of things together. My father was in the Marine Corps for a, a short time, and I have an uncle who was in the Army for a long time and retired from there. Um, I contemplating following my father's footsteps, trying the Marine Corps uh, thing, and my mom was not a fan of that, so she persuaded me towards the Air Force. Um, I met with some active duty Air Force recruiters, and I was just about getting ready to sign up with active duty to become a heavy machinery operator. And before I signed, she said, let's just go to the Niagara Falls Air Base and talk to the Air National Guard. Well, I said, well, there's a base in Niagara Falls, and what's the Air National Guard? Um, we came here, I talked to the recruiters here, and uh, you know, with my ASVAB scores, they offered me a couple different jobs um, in the maintenance group. So originally it was gonna be sheet metal, and shortly before I fully committed to that, a position opened to be a crew chief, and the rest is history in my book. It was the best decision I've ever made. Um, I've been able to you know, develop into something, into doing something that I love, working on a flight line, there's never the same thing every day. It's never monotonous. It's always a new challenge. And you know, one of the big things that I was also looking to get out of joining the military was traveling. And being a crew chief on a large aircraft is one of the best ways to see the world. Yes, yes. That afforded me a lot of opportunities to travel. Uh, great, man. Thank you for sharing that. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we get that a lot when we bring up the Air National Guard. Um, I call it the world's best kept secret. Yes. Uh, but we don't want to be the world's best kept secret. Right. You know? uh, we want people to know uh, about our mission sets and uh, what we do in the Air National Guard. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, one of uh, my inspirations uh, behind doing this podcast is not only to allow members to share their story, uh, but to also to get the Air National Guard message out there um, a little bit more. So, uh, so thank you for bringing that up. And um, <laughs> we are more than happy and we're glad that you decided uh, to... Uh, shift gears and not go active duty and uh, just come right on into the Air National Guard. As am I. It's uh, probably the best of both worlds. Uh, you get to work out here at, close to home, and you don't have to worry about going somewhere else every few years. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. So you talked a little bit about this, um, but uh, if you could elaborate a little bit more about your current career field um, in the Air National Guard. Well, currently, I'm a uh, RPA sensor operator, a one uniform. Um so we'll go way back to when I first joined as a crew chief. I worked on the KC-135s. Um, that was awesome. I worked on them until 2009. In 2009, we shifted gears and became an ARC association with our, uh, our neighbors next door, the 914th, to where we all shared C-130s. So I cross-trained into uh, C-130 crew chief and um, you know, did that until 2014. So 15 years of flight line work, two different airframes, all kinds of different from support aircraft to you know frontline aircraft like the C-130 that can go just about anywhere that you probably don't want to go. Um, a lot of really awesome experiences and uh, it was awesome. But currently as a sensor operator, uh, 2014 I got hired on as a uh, an AGR, as a tech sergeant. Um, so I was excited to come over here to ops. I always said if I'm not going to do something that I truly love doing, I better go do something that's cooler. This definitely fits the bill of being cooler, but it's also transitioned to you know, what I really love doing. Um, shortly after that, 
I became experienced. So then it was, it, it kind of fell in line to where I became an instructor. And then eventually now I'm an evaluator. So I'm a RPA sensor operator, instructor, evaluator, and it's my job to operate the cameras and sensors of the aircraft. The the pod on the bottom of of the what more what people more commonly call it is a drone, but yeah. it's anything but your you know grandfather, your father's, or your uncle's quadcopter. It's a it's a thirty six foot, seventy five foot <laughs> aircraft that actually takes off and land, and uh, it's uh, pretty amazing the things we can do from how high we fly. Um, you know, we we do a lot of things like develop patterns of life, a lot of intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance. And if uh, you know the the time arises, you know the the laser that's in that pod can laser in laser guided weapons like Hellfire missiles or you know laser guided bombs. Wow. So it's a it's a really cool job, and it's something that I have learned to really love to do as well. Man, right here in Western New York. Yeah, anywhere in the world, right here from Niagara. Wow. <laughs> that's truly um, amazing. So um, RPA. Now, I have civilian listeners out there. Okay. Uh, so if you could, uh, what does RPA stand so for? So RPA stands for Remotely Piloted Aircraft. Um, sorry, I probably should have led with that, but, <laughs> you know, we're getting to the flow of this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what that means is we sit here at Niagara Falls or any of the other bases that operate that type of aircraft, and uh, what they do here gets, you know, pumped through servers and up down to sat- or over to satellites and then up to space and then down to the airplane. So the uh, the logistics and the technology of thinking about how that actually happens is pretty amazing. Wow, man! So my uh, my sons would love this because it's <laughs> like um, it's, it's like a an adult video game. Yeah, I mean, I compare that. You know, when I when I talk to the right crowd, I'll you know I'll explain it that way. Although I you know they'd probably destroy me on PlayStation or Xbox. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, you know. I could probably do a little bit better structure. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, and to my sons out there, um, don't think that you can just come here to uh, Western New York and, uh, and fly an RPA. It takes a little bit more uh, than, than just being able to, to know how to mash buttons on a joystick. Yes, yes. And if we have enough time in, in your day after this, I'd like to take you over to our simulator and see if you want to give it a whirl. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> All right. I may have to take you up on that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. So to this point in your career... Uh, what has been your biggest achievement or experience at this point? Um, thinking about this question, I I think it's really hard for me to nail down just one because there's a lot of different experiences um, that are big, but they've also been big factors in developing me into who I've become, how I've matured as a leader. Um, so, you know, one of the first ones that you kind of stand out to me is when I became a lead crew chief on a C-130. So instead of just being the assistant crew chief, I became a lead crew chief, where it was my ultimate responsibility to make sure that the maintenance was done properly, the aircraft was serviced and inspected correctly, the documentation was done and, and ultimately signed off and the forms handed to the air crew as, hey, this aircraft is safe to fly. Um, shortly after getting promoted to tech sergeant, I was named the lead crew chief. And that was shortly before our deployment to Afghanistan. So it, it all kind of all happened together. I got promoted, I got named the lead crew chief of an aircraft, and then I got to go take her to the Super Bowl, if you will. Wow. You know, the, you know, you train and train and train, and ultimately, you know, getting that deployment is what you're training for, and you got to put all of your training into action. Wow. Um, you know, during that deployment, my newly my airplane <laughs> actually uh, towards the end of our deployment had a mid-air collision with none other than a remotely piloted aircraft so it was uh 
it was able to be landed. The air crew did a great job of getting that thing on the ground. Uh, they landed at a, uh, a forward operating base to where shortly after that, I forward deployed with a, a great team of guys, and we went to that aircraft to assess the damage. Um, you know, massive hole in the front of the wing. All the fuel in that wing had leaked out. The right wing still full of fuel, aircraft leaning. Um, now, you know, it was an Army airfield, airfield and, um, you know, they didn't want anybody near it. It was big investigation about to happen, but, you know, we identified the fact that if we don't start doing something with this aircraft, we're going to have to, it's going to be a total loss. So, you know, over the next three days, me and a couple of guys, we camped out at this FOB and worked on this airplane day in and day out, little by little trying to drain the fuel out of, out of the right wing, which normally would be an easy process. But when you have a giant hole in the leading edge of the wing, you can't apply power, so you can't use pumps. So you have to get creative and drain thousands of gallons of fuel through a one-inch um, valve on the bottom of the tank that you usually use to depuddle water out of. So little by little, each tank we would try to drain and drain and drain. And it was, you know, it was a, a lot to the story. Great story for you know some other time, but that was one of those things to where uh, my leaders trusted me. That they trusted that they had trained me properly and they have they empowered me to go and be the lead on this to make sure that I was going to make the right decisions. And I look back at that and I think the person that, that joined in 99 couldn't have fathomed, him, fathomed him, himself doing something like this. And so the, you know, the training and everything and the trust and the resources that they gave me, really, it, it's an eye-opener to look back on, to think that you know, me and two guys in a sad phone sitting on top of a mountain Basically, you know, calling in, hey, we need more resources. We don't have anywhere to put this fuel. We need barrels. We need something. And, uh, you know, able to accomplish that feat to get that airplane level again and safe so that the uh, the depot level team could come in and start with all the major repairs was a, a really awesome experience for me. It's one of those things that, you know, me and another buddy of mine that I'm so very close with that we did that. Um, he was with me on that. Uh, we stay in contact. He's retired since. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where the day that that happened, we always give each other a phone call. Hey man, happy 1187 day. <laughs> that was the tail number 1187. Um, after that, I know I'm, I got a long list of, of biggest achievements, but like I said, they, they all play a role in developing me into, to who I feel I am today and are stones in the path that I'm, I'm planning on continuing to follow. Um, being hired over here as an AGR sensor operator, um, when we when we changed missions to the MQ-9, the maintenance group went away because we are strictly a mission control element, which means we don't have any physical aircraft here. So there is no reason for a aircraft maintenance squadron or a maintenance group. So at the time, I was a, a full-time technician, and that was my my lifeline, my umbilical. That was my career my career path, and it was going away. So. Um, to be hired over here in the operations group as a, as a sensor operator to be an AGR was was a, definitely an awesome experience and definitely a great achievement. You know, shortly after that, I became an instructor evaluator, and uh, you know one of the other things that that I think is an awesome experience is so over the past six months we've uh, been fundraising 
So a couple years ago, I took on the responsibility of maintaining our wing memorial. We have a memorial stone and memorial grounds to where we can commemorate the people that, that have been in our unit that have died while still serving in the unit, whether it be from illness or, you know, or anything else. And our, unfortunately, our stone is full. So we are to the point now where um, we need an expansion. So I initiated an expansion project um, about six months ago. And I started with something simple, just a, a T-shirt sale. You know, I, I got together with uh, a local vendor and said, hey, you know, I'd like to make this T-shirt, something that's nice and wearable and comfortable, but also something that we can make a little money on. So he goes, well, how much do you want to do? I'm like, well, let's try to make $5 a shirt or, or item show, you know, sold. And I started that. And then, you know, emails went out to retirees and emails went, emails went out to the wing and emails went out to families. And... The T-shirt sale went fine. I met the goal that I needed to meet so that the, uh, the, the T-shirt company didn't really lose anything out of it. But the thing that blew me away was the outpouring of checks that I got in the mail and donations that I was receiving on a daily basis. We have a credit union here on base. And we set up an account. And we've just been flushing all the money right into it. And I, I set a goal of $10,000. So um, probably in the end of August... We were at about eight thousand, between eight and nine thousand dollars, and so we decided to do one more push. And so, just recently, over the past couple months, we we uh, we reached out to some friends that um, would like to have sponsored a sportsman's raffle. So we were able to get some sportsman's items, sell tickets for that you know, for about a month, and we were able to sell seven hundred and eighteen tickets at twenty dollars a piece. So not only did we cover the initial investment of buying all these sportsman's items but we made enough money to pay that back. And now my goal has almost been doubled. We are almost at $19,000. And that is just an, an eye opener. And the experience of doing that isn't just a, oh cool, I got to raise money for a really awesome cause. It's a testament to this unit is a family. Whether you're retired, you're currently in, past, present, family members of, of people that, whose names are on the wall, or on the stone, excuse me. It's a, it's a huge family, and no matter how much time goes by, everybody is still connected, and it's one of the, the greatest things and most humbling things I've been honored to be a part of. Wow. Man. <laughs> you gave me a lot to go on for that, man. Yeah, that yeah. So you have um, definitely accomplished and achieved a lot in your career, uh, and it's just beginning. I don't think you, you, you really haven't even scratched the surface, man, with everything that you're able to accomplish, so... Um, my hat's off to you, and, um, and thank you for, for leading. Uh, I appreciate that. You know, thank you. you know, one of the toughest places to lead is from the middle. Mm -hmm. That's one of the toughest places to lead from, and, and you're doing it, um, and you're doing it effortless, effortlessly. And you mentioned a couple of key words uh, for that last uh, question, um, and you talked about empowerment, and you talked about trust. Uh, C. Whitehead, uh, the, uh, the C for the, the, the chief of the National Guard Bureau, he always talks about his three E's, um, his three E's of educate, um, empower, uh, and execute. Um, and empowerment is extremely important, especially uh, from our mid-level managers. But you don't you're not able to have that empowerment if your leaders don't trust you. Right, absolutely. Um, and your leaders do trust you, and that's not by accident. Um, that's because of who you are as a professional. You know, as I always say that one way that how do we build trust? with not only our commanders, not only with our leaders, but with our peers, 
um, and more importantly, uh, the subordinates that, that, are, that we are entrusted to lead. How do we continue to build trust if we deliver over and over and over again? Right, through and, our actions. And as soon as that leader or that peer or that, or that follower thinks that it's impossible, you deliver again. Um, and I think that's what you have done. You have delivered over and over and over again, and you, you have made it very, very easily easy you know, for your leaders uh, to, to trust you. Uh, so hats off to you for that, man. I Thank appreciate you so it. much, man. And, um, it, you know, and you say that it's a, it's a testament to this wing uh, that you were able to raise you know, that much money. I think you have a big part to, to do with that as well. Um, I think it's a testament to you and, uh, and who you are. And, and I think members want to support you. Members want to follow you uh, because they respect you. And they don't know, not only respect you in uniform, but they respect the person that's wearing the uniform. Um, and that's the deeper level of respect that we all want. So hats off to you. I appreciate you saying that, Chief. Thank you. All right. Wow. We can end this session right now. It, it, it can be a wrap, man. But uh, I just want to keep going, man. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued and inspired by your, by your story. So, uh, so what do you like most uh, about being in the military? And how do you stay motivated to perform at such a high level? Well, that, that last bit, the last part was probably a perfect segue into this, is the camaraderie. Um, I've been fortunate enough to, to have been part of the 107th for my entire guard career. 22 years I've been here, and uh, two conversions. Um, and like I said, it's like a huge extended family to me. Um, you know, the, when thinking about the first question of, you know, take the rank off, who was Tony Ray, it almost threw me through a loop because I was like, well, I'm a family guy, but no, I, I work here. I'm a, this is my family. I'm a family man. <laughs> but, um, you know, it is like a huge extended family to me. I've, I've had a long time and a lot of experiences with a lot of awesome people. Um, you know, 15 years in the maintenance group, you develop a lot of friendships and relationships. And then, you know, as we all sought different positions to, you know, remain employed here, you know, we kind of became fragmented. And at first, I was like, man, this is going to be tough. I'm not going to see such and such every day. I'm not going to see this guy every day. I'm not going to see her every day. And uh, it, it hurt a little bit, but... Now, as I've found my stride here in ops, it's great to have that that point of contact somewhere else because you have that camaraderie, that that closeness with people, and you can just reach out and have a conversation and ask them a question because now they're the specialist in something that that maybe I don't know. So it's it's awesome, and you know, to stay motivated, it's one of those things to where I I see the trust that has been given to me, and it motivates me to want to strengthen that trust and also reciprocate that to maybe some of my subordinates, to some of my junior NCOs or junior airmen, so that they can start you know, climbing the same ladder, walking the same path, or, or their version of my path to have such a fulfilling career. Wow. Thank you for that, man. Uh, <laughs> Air Guard is family. It sure is. Absolutely. As, as, uh, you know, I, I, I stated this at the beginning. Uh, the world's best kept secret. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, uh, hey, we got plenty of more uh, spots on the ship here for family members. So anyone that's listening out there uh, that wants to come join, uh, you know, Tony Ray uh, down here at the 107th, <laughs> uh, I highly recommend it. So but thank you for that. <laughs> Appreciate that, Chief. Thanks for the shout out. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about challenges. Uh, you know, what challenges uh, have you faced and uh, how have you 
overcome them? Well, it always hasn't been sunshine and rainbows for me. Uh, I always haven't been this, uh, you know, goal-oriented, motivated um, member of, of this unit. I started out rough. I, uh, I was still flexing. I joined um, right out of high school, 17 years old. Mom, had, mom and dad had to sign, make sure it was okay. Turned 18, went to basic training, came back, realized, wait a second, I'm 18 now. And I don't have to go to school. <laughs> so it was just wild child, have fun with the friends. And, uh, you know, I, w- I wasn't mature enough quietly to, or, or I wasn't quite mature enough to realize that I had to prioritize my obligation to this unit, even though it was one weekend a month, 15 days a year, mm-hmm. because there were times where it would be a two week stretch or I'd be lucky enough to get put on a 30 day stretch and I'd come in late. I'd come in hungover after I was 21. <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't a model airman, and uh, I had a lot of great mentors. Um, you know, there, people would, you know, try to give me hints, pull me aside, and say, hey, what are you doing? What are you really trying to get out of here? You got to stop showing up late. You got to stop, you know, being tired. You can't fall asleep during lunch. And, uh, you know, it. I heard what they were saying, but I just didn't, I didn't, apply what they were saying and the eye-opener for me was um, my chief called me into the office and I was on a a long tour of orders and he had my orders and he took a red pen and he put a line right through them he goes your orders end today he goes go back and enjoy your civilian job so I went back to see what was I doing at the time I was uh, I was machining wood for speaker boxes at a factory in the local area And it was just monotonous, loud, dirty, boring work that wasn't fulfilling. And, uh, you know, I, I started to really see the light. Then 9-11 happened, and that was it. And then I was all in. Um, you know, part of me wishes that it didn't take that to light that fire, but that's one of those things that it led a lot of fires in people. Yeah, it, sure it, it changed the course of everybody's life. Um, but it definitely changed the course of, of my career. Um, I started setting goals after that. And, you know, the, the whole smart, you know, it's got to be specific. You know, you have to set a specific goal, um, a measurable one, something that's attainable. So you can't just say, okay, I'm all in. Someday I'm going to be chief. I started out, you know, baby steps. Okay, I really like doing this. You know, I... I'm all in now. I'm going to start getting rest. I'm going to make sure I'm showing up on time. I'm going to, you know, try to be the best crew chief I can. So hopefully that someday I'll be hired on as full, full time. So I'd like to become a, you know, at the time it was a WG 10. And so I set that goal in 2006, you know, after a lot of, you know, they, they got the trust back in me. They put me on, you know, orders 365 days. We were operating alert tanker duty here out of Niagara Falls. So it was a lot of weekends, a lot of midnights, a lot of holidays away from, from family. And, uh, you know, they, they finally developed that trust with me again to realize that, that I was going to do what they expect me to do. So in 2006, I was hired. Goal met. Okay, step one. And I'm like, okay, well, let's not stop now. Now let me go from being a WG-10 assistant crew chief to a WG-12 lead crew chief. And then in 2011, that happened as well. So... I'm like, okay, so what's next on the docket? Well, I, I did that for a few years, and during a, uh, a deployment to Kuwait, um, a couple years after the uh, Afghanistan deployment, 
the opportunity arose for me to apply on a flight chief position, a WS-10 job. So now I was slowly progressing and starting to see there is the top of this ladder isn't as low as I thought it was. I was the only one just short-sighted and didn't quite see how high that, that I could go. So I, I was fortunate enough to, to get that position, but unfortunately it was the year before we lost the maintenance group. But then, you know, I said, okay, well, I need to stay out here. I want to stay out here. I want to do something cooler. <laughs> so, you know, looking at the new mission, I said, that's cooler. Um, being a pilot would have been cool, but let's, well, let's keep it in our range. So I, uh, I pursued the sensor operator job, um, you know, set that goal. Then once I was over here and became experienced, set the, the goal to become a master sergeant, I was promoted. And then, uh, you know, then, you know, most recently I set that $10,000 goal for, for the Memorial expansion and, uh, and and we were, and we blew it out of the water. I'm I, I'm I'm almost speechless about it. Hard to believe. Tony Gray. Wow, child. That that was your words. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Were, yeah. Wow, child. Yeah. Huh? All right. That's yeah. my nickname for you. Wow, child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that, that's phenomenal, man. To, to see uh, you know where you came from and and where you are today. Uh, but, you know, when we all have been through, and we all need you know, those challenges those wild child uh, moments uh, in order for us uh, to to grow. Uh, it makes us better leaders. It makes us stronger leaders. It makes us more resilient. Uh, yeah, so, so thank you Absolutely. very much for, uh, for sharing your story um, and having the courage to you know, talk to us about your wild child yeah. experience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, good stuff. So um, this next question is, uh, is really uh, near and dear to my heart. And um, because us as leaders, uh, we need to know what's on your minds. Uh, so, so when you think about leaders, you know, what do you expect, you know, from us? What do you expect from your leaders? I, I'd have to say, you know, when what goes with the whole, you know, empowering, you know, your your enlisted leaders is give us clear expectation. You know, let us know exactly what you want. Trust us and empower us to make sure that. You know, you believe that we can do it. That way, you know, we can also empower our junior NCOs. Accountability is huge. You know, I'm accountable to a lot of people, um, and my leaders are also accountable to their leaders. But I'm also accountable to my junior NCOs, and you know, and my my leaders are accountable to me. So, you know, if if you give us a clear expectation and you trust us and empower us to, to execute what you want, then I think that's really all that we need is, you know, just trust us. Wow. And, and that goes along with, uh, in line with our core values. Mm-hmm. Integrity first, service before self and excellence, and excellence in all we do. You know, and if you, if you dig deeper into the blue book under integrity first, there are three characteristics of what it means uh, to obtain integrity first, and you kind of alluded to that, you know, uh, during your during your last comments, and that's honest, honesty, uh, carriage, <clears throat> and accountability. Uh, you know, and if you're able to obtain all three, that's a part of uh, having that integrity first piece. So, right. Um, so thank you for that, uh, leaders. Are you listening out there? You got it from Tony Ray. So, uh, those are his expectations of us. 
All right. How you doing? You doing okay? I'm doing good. All right. Yeah. Oh, man. So we're, we're about finished. So um, closing comments. Uh, what closing thoughts, uh, messages uh, would you like to leave with our listeners today? So I think I've, I've, I spoke about it for a while is, is setting goals. Set those goals. You know, once you figure out what it is you want to do, be passionate about it. Have a fire for it. Have a tenacity for it. Get after it. You know, a lot of times I would hold myself back because I didn't want to leave my bubble of this is what I know and this is what I'm comfortable doing. And, uh, you know, a, a nice quote that I, I, I read online a bunch of times is you'll never realize your true potential until you step out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a, a chief somewhere that always says something like, Get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, that's you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, it 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 really has a, it carries a lot of meaning. It carries a lot of weight because I used to just stay in my comfort bubble, and you know, over the past five six years, I've started to branch out and do things where you know I'm, I would almost question: Is this even my lane? And then you know, there was no course correction from somebody saying, "Hey, get out of my lane." There was we'd be happy to to teach you about this. We'd be happy to let you do this. And uh, you never really know what you can do until you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. And, you know, this was uncomfortable for me, you know, <laughs> leading up to this, you know, the the anxiety of sitting here and having a conversation and, and talk about myself. But, you know, if if my story can help somebody else understand, you know, where I came from, how I developed, and, you know, where I'm looking to go, then it's all worth it. Wow. It's absolutely all worth it. Great, thank you for that. So I really have enjoyed uh, sitting here and uh, having a conversation with you today. Um, uh, this has been uh, this has been a phenomenal. So, uh, so I greatly appreciate uh, your willingness uh, to be a part of this. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. So, well, teenies, uh, that's it for episode nine. Uh, Sergeant Ray, uh, once again, I thank you uh, for the conversation today and your willingness uh, to share your story. Uh, much respect uh, to you, my friend, and I wish you nothing but uh, luck and continue success throughout your career. Thank you. Teammates, another successful recording session complete. As always, a shout out to the one on my airlift wing public affairs section, especially the person behind the scenes, keeping us organized and on point, Mrs. Jackie Lyons. Until the next ATL episode, it's fitting now that I leave you with a quote from one phenomenal leader uh, that just passed away, uh, General Paul. There is no end to the good you do if you don't care who gets the credit. Until the next time, keep aiming high, TVs. Chief out.